millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. On the one hand, you have this massive leg up. But at the same time, there are people who will never read anything that you've written purely because of your route into publishing. Hello, writers. Welcome back to Write Off, the podcast about writing rejection in all its forms, from self-doubt to books not selling. I'm your host, Francesca Steele, a journalist and writer based in London. And if you want to know more about my own experience with writing rejection, you can hear about that in the first season. Who deserves to be a writer? When Sarah Turner was in her early 20s, she had a baby, found it challenging and, unable to find writing online to match her experience, set up a blog. A couple of years later, that blog, The Unmumsy Mum, had nearly 100,000 readers and landed Sarah a book deal. Her three very funny, honest, non-fiction books about parenting have all been bestsellers, as has her debut novel, Stepping Up, which came out this year. So why, you might ask, is Sarah on write-off? Well, because of that question, who deserves to be a writer? Sarah has more than 400,000 followers on Instagram and is famous to many people as an influencer, posting frequently about her three adorable sons, the daily difficulties and the magic of parenting, and their house renovation in Exeter. As such, she knows she's seen by some as someone who has just been handed book deals, someone who maybe can't or shouldn't be allowed to write. The thing is, though, is that Sarah got the book deal because of her blog, because she was already writing stuff that resonated with people. And those books are really well written, including that debut novel. I absolutely love dissecting this question of who deserves their place in publishing with Sarah, who it should be said was very aware that some people might be bringing out their tiny violins at this point, and also discussing all the self-doubt that comes with this sort of advantage. Because whatever you think of this sort of route in, in the end, putting a pen to paper, as it were, and hoping to do a good job is never easy. I really hope you enjoyed this interview as much as I did. Here's Sarah. I was definitely the kid at school who would write 
10 pages for year two English when only one page was required um, <laughs> you know when you I've kept a couple or my parents kept a couple of my primary school exercise books and you can see the point at which the teachers have zoned out because they just start putting stickers on everything because it's like she's still going <laughs> she's still going um yes always love writing stories um and poems and anything when I was when I was at school and then in secondary school had a just really massive love of English by the time I got to GCSE year so it was the it was the subject where I felt like I'd worked really hard at all subjects and always done all right at everything but never felt like I'd particularly found my thing and English was the one where I had a teacher who said you know can, can you stay behind and 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 sort of gave me a, a pep talk and said you you really you should really do something with this and kind mm. of gave me that confidence to think I don't know I might have might have something that I might be able to make make something with into adulthood but um yeah I didn't I, I didn't really have the courage to pursue it after school I considered doing English at uni and I looked at doing a journalism course and there were all sorts of stuff that I thought about doing and then I don't know why I bottled it but I just went no I'm gonna need to I'm gonna need to park that it sounds that feels a bit like a pipe dream to to be a writer so I actually did a degree in philosophy <laughs> instead and then I went into a, a, fi- a fast track finance graduate scheme job um which was completely unrelated to writing and yeah quite a quite a random steer how interesting that you did something that was kind of almost the polar opposite of what you'd sort of been dreaming of doing I wonder why that happened finance as opposed to creative writing I know I think I think I had I didn't have that like I grew up in Cornwall and I feel like nowadays uh, where you are is particularly in a kind of post-pandemic world where you're kind of geographically based has less of a bearing on what you do because it's kind of like the world is the world has opened up and you can do things online and you can do things over zoom and but I felt very much I was a bit of a bit of a home bird and I felt like if I wanted to make something of myself as a writer I would need to move away and go to London or or go somewhere that wasn't wasn't Cornwall as I, th- I think that might might have played played a part um I stuck I stuck local I went to university in Exeter and and that was kind of where I, my comfort zone. But yeah, I don't know what it was. I, I didn't ever really dare to dream that I could could make it as a writer, even though I thought that I had something there. Um, I thought it would only ever be a, a hobby, I guess. Yeah, yeah. And then in your 20s, I'm sorry, I, I'm not sure exactly how old you were, but you had your son, your first son, Henry. Yes. And, and you started the Unmumsy Mum blog. What was your intention there how how did it come about and how quickly did you realize that it was doing really well because it it was (laughs) yeah I um so I had Henry I think I had Henry quite young I was 24 and I didn't think that was young at the time but now I'm like actually it was fairly fairly young um as first time first time mums go and I was working part-time at the University of Exeter at the time and I'd been kind of thrown into this world of motherhood that just wasn't 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 what I felt like I'd been sold so I had this I don't think I had unrealistic expectations about what parenting would be like my sister had had a baby my sister-in-law had had a baby I'd sort of I'd seen I'd seen the, the 
daily reality but I'd also read and seen a lot of stuff online and in print that presented this kind of glossy version of parenting like a showreel of the best bits it was a lot of everybody smiling all the time a lot of families dressed entirely in white um and <laughs> and you know it was the online it was that was very much so we're going back to 2013 here and it was very much the in the parenting sphere it was the hashtag blessed era mm-hmm. of yeah. um parenting online and it just didn't <laughs> I couldn't relate to it I couldn't relate to any of it and actually I looked online for something that would make me feel better about how I was feeling about parenting which was that yeah there were these moments of absolute magic but also a lot of the time I felt out, out of my depth I felt as though maybe I wasn't doing a good enough job I felt like I was in part-time work and part-time mothering and not really doing a very good job of either um I was tired my body didn't feel like my own and I looked online I scrolled and I scrolled for something that would make me feel better and actually everything that I found just made me feel quite a lot worse Mm. um so that was the initial my initial kind of motivation to write something was probably a personal I need to let this out almost like a you know the blog was the the modern day diary and I felt like I needed to write it down I hadn't seen any other parenting blogs but I had seen blogs for kind of food and interiors and things like that at that time so I just decided I just decided to write to write one to set one up and write it and you know at that point I had zero social media followers so I wasn't on Instagram I didn't have a Facebook page I wasn't on Twitter so I was, I was writing to to nobody really which is which I think with the benefit of hindsight is why it is why it worked mm. um it worked because I was writing it, I, it was just from the heart I just poured out I think my first blog post was called other mums must be lying <laughs> which gives you <laughs> an insight into my um headspace at the time but I wrote it and then I kind of shared it with a few friends. Um, I mean, it was getting kind of 10, 10 hits on a post and some of them came from me when I was rereading, rereading <laughs> my own post. Um, and then I sort of thought, I'm enjoying this. I'd written a few posts. I'm enjoying this. How can I get this out there? So Twitter was where I started. Um, and I joined in with other people that were writing parenting blogs and kind of tagged on to what they were doing. And I didn't know, I didn't really know have a clue what I was doing but just thought I would try and engage with people online to see if I could get some traffic my way but it wasn't until it went onto Facebook that it really exploded it didn't happen straight away so it's a couple of well maybe 18 months after my first blog post but a couple started to blow up on Facebook and my follower numbers just went berserk (laughs) um I think there was one week where it went from like 20,000 followers to 70,000 followers on my Facebook page um wow I mean 20,000 is already quite a lot (laughs) yeah exactly and it had taken me nearly two years to get a thousand followers on Twitter so it wasn't like it wasn't like I was expecting I think that was the thing right from the right from the start I never really had any expectation that anybody would want to read it although I hoped that they might but I didn't you know it was kind of starting from scratch so who was who was I who was I writing for myself really at that stage mm. although it's interesting to hear you say even though it took a while you were in a way consciously building building your your audience weren't you because you were sort of going on social media and then trying to interact with the view of hopefully gaining some more followers I mean I'm sure you didn't expect it to be 70,000 suddenly but but you were consciously trying to build it right so you yes 
I, I find that interesting because you were both sort of writing to yourself and and I guess in some way thinking actually I'm enjoying this I, I like the writing I want to talk to people yeah absolutely and I think the um the the feeling that came back from having because on a personal level the, the kind of underlying the the success of the Facebook page that was surprising but but also really exciting like I can remember I can remember sort of sitting at home in my pajamas and posting something and then watching kind of in real time the the likes and the shares going up and thinking oh my goodness this is like big it's good I don't I don't really understand it but it seems to be it seems to be everywhere but also on a personal and and more emotional level I was getting messages coming back from people that were saying you know thanks for writing this because this is how this is how I feel as well and I felt a little bit like maybe I was on my own or I was failing or so I guess I I felt validated in everything I was saying as a new mum as well which I think also inspired me to 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 keep going but yeah you're right as soon as I realized that I could I don't know it felt like kind of collecting an army I'm not sure what we were preparing for but there was (laughs) there was just there was just lots of us um together Yes, and new motherhood, I mean, I've got two small children, as we were just talking about. New motherhood can be really lonely, um, particularly with my second, because my first, I had an, a really good NCT group, actually, but my second, it can be really lonely. And funnily enough, I was just talking about this with someone yesterday, someone, a, a friend who just had her third, and I was saying, how are you? And she goes, oh, you know, you can't complain, can you? And I was saying, I think you bloody can. It's really hard. Yeah, um, it is hard. And, and if you're not enjoying it, it's okay to say that but but some people really don't feel that it is okay to say that so that's what you were sort of opening up isn't it yeah it was exactly that and I think you're right the you know the age-old kind of it takes a village saying and I think you know in the modern world quite often part of that village at least does come from from the online space um so it felt like that's what I was tapping into at that time but yeah it was it was it was massively unexpected the Facebook page momentum and so then at some point you you were approached by an agent weren't you and and you ended up getting a book deal can you tell me a little bit about that how that happened I can it all and when yeah so it all happened it all happened at once I was approached by my then editor and my agent the same week so the so somebody from my now publisher uh, Transworld got in contact with me on Facebook before my agent so it was almost like the the wrong the wrong way around like I'd bypassed the the agent bit Mm. um but I had so one message from an editor saying we've been through all of your blog posts that you've written so far and really think the unmumsy mum blog lends itself to a book what what do you think my first thought was that it was some kind of a a hoax or (laughs) um I you know some because I just didn't I just didn't believe it um you know that is not how in my mind I suppose I thought that's not how this that's not how this works this is going it's all going the wrong way um and then an agent got in contact the same week saying I think you know the blog has legs and we could perhaps pitch it to publishers to which I replied well I've already got I've already got a publisher but interested uh how does this work and actually god love them it was the publisher that said 
even though this might not work in our favour, because we could just snap you up now unrepresented, uh, you should have an agent. Because oh, that's they will, good. They will have your best interests at heart. They will they will make sure that, um, you know, the contract works as hard as it can for you and they'll protect you. They'll protect you. So from somebody that had no idea about how publishing worked, I felt like I was given really good advice early on that was because, you know, as far as I was aware, you would get an agent to get a to get a publisher but there was a bit mm. of me that was thinking well I've got a, the pub, a publisher's just message do I do I need an agent but yes was the answer you you very much you very much still do and then I had a meeting and I remember thinking they're gonna realize that they've made a mistake they're gonna go this isn't what we thought it was or actually we've changed our mind and I remember saying I just don't understand because I've got no background in I've got no background in writing I haven't pitched anything to you I haven't put together a proposal I don't understand how we've got to where we've got to and they said well we've printed like 30 of your blogs we've put them all together we've read them we've taken them to our Tuesday morning acquisition meeting and we've and that's we've like we've seen we've seen enough you might not have realized that you've kind of put your CV out there on online but you sort of you sort of have um and that's where we are with it but yeah I found it I found it all very 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 strange and very exciting all at once yeah how amazing and I think it's really interesting and and pertinent to what we're about to talk about in in a second actually but there's there's a there's a feeling often that publishing is a world of gatekeepers and that you have to know someone and that sort of stuff I think I think a lot of people feel that way but actually what happened to you was really quite meritocratic you, you weren't expecting it but you did you did the work you did writing it was really good and then people wanted to publish you yeah um, and I I think what had happened was because I asked about this a couple of years after and I sort of said what 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 was it like you know I can't imagine that um it was just one you know what they'd seen one post and gone well let's 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 take a, a gamble and write a blog and I think what had happened was a couple of people had seen my a, a single blog post I can't remember which one it was shared on their Facebook timelines of several of their Facebook friends at the same time but I'd realized that the Facebook friends at each shared my post didn't know each other. So they mm. felt like there was a movement because it was like, well, he shared it and she shared it and she shared it. And they're all friends of mine, but none of them are friends with each other, which means they must have seen it somewhere else, which means. So I think in their mind, there was they knew or at least they hoped there would be an appetite for it because mm. online there was. So I suppose it ticked that ticked that box already. OK, so so since then you, you brought out three books three non-fiction books with your sort of unmumsy mum hat on about motherhood they're all very funny they're all very honest and I guess since then you've you're now regarded as an influencer which is relevant relevant to what we're going to talk about in a second but yeah. you know you have sort of 419,000 followers on Instagram I think you have about 700,000 on Facebook something like that yeah and you know you post a lot about your kids your writings um so really funny but it I guess I guess there's a feeling that because you're doing a lot of that writing in addition to your books on social media that yes you you fall into this influencer category yeah how how do you feel about that because it is a term that is quite loaded I guess it's it is so it's massively loaded and I have I actually have really mixed feelings about it because on the one hand I just hate that I hate the term because I think of all the connotations it has and we think of you know kind of people 
constantly glued to their smartphones, you know, with every every filter on, trying to trying to sell unsuspecting people stuff with a with a tap to buy link. So it kind of <laughs> we have this view of influencers, but then I also think it would be wrong of me to suggest that I am that I am not one um because you know if if the shoe fits and the shoe does fit i i do post i do post a whole range of stuff online but just to give just in terms of how the worlds collide i did a post about lisa jules the family upstairs mm. and it had it was just a i really enjoyed this book post and it had it shot the book back up the amazon chart when it had been out of the top 100 or whatever for some time and Lisa actually very very kindly sent me <clears throat> a proof of her new book with a note that said they don't call you influencers for nothing which I think <laughs> which I think tells you kind of that's how I feel is that you know is I, I am I am an influencer because I have you know if you have a certain amount of followers and they trust and and kind of enjoy what you share then you know, you do have influence. So I, so I agree with that. I suppose where I find it difficult is where that influencer cap is seen as being kind of like my main identity in terms of work, which isn't how I, which isn't how I feel because, you know, I spend most of my time writing books and actually book writing is the main source of my income. So I feel like I'm kind of author first and influencer second, but I don't know I'm, I'm I guess I'm I guess I'm both of those I guess I'm both of those things and I feel kind of sometimes horrified at, at the label and then other times I find I feel quite defensive because I'm like well you know a lot of people that are online that have lots of followers have worked quite hard to get where they are so yeah <laughs> well let's talk about your foray into fiction because I think that plays a part here in the Twitter thread that we're going to talk about in a second. So earlier this year, you brought out your debut novel, Stepping Up, which is really funny and moving. It's about a young woman who's quite sort of hapless and not very together and something happens to her family and she ends up kind of helping take care of her sister's kids. And it's quite a it's quite a U-turn for her and quite tricky and Anyone who likes your nonfiction writing will be unsurprised to see that to to hear that it's it's quite a similar style of writing, yeah. In that it's quite jaunty and fun, but you know it is it is seamless fiction writing, and I really really enjoyed stepping up. Thank you. Um, yeah, you're welcome. I mean, I I really you know I, I think the thing is is that whenever anybody, either an influencer or frankly anyone who's written nonfiction nonfiction books. Whenever, whenever anybody tries their hand at fiction where they haven't before, but they're already famous for something else, I think there's often a healthy dose of cynicism about whether yeah. it will be any good. Because, as you said, it, you know, it's very hard to get a book deal as a debut author, but not so hard if you already have a platform. Yeah. So I think people are automatically going to say, oh, well, is this, you know, because somebody has a platform or is it any good? Now, with stepping up, I, I would definitely say it is very good. But you, a few months ago, wrote a a Twitter thread about how. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact. 
you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff: shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at fifty to eighty percent less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Um, about how you were finding it difficult writing the second book and about many other things. So if it's all right with you, I'm actually going to read out that Twitter thread because I think yeah, in course. its entirety, it's really, really interesting. And then I just want to talk about that with you a wee bit. Okay. Um, Okay, so it is quite long, listeners, but bear bear with us because it's really, really interesting, I think. Okay, so in May, you wrote this. First draft anxiety is eating me whole at the moment. I rarely talk about how writing makes me feel, in part because I know I should be grateful with where life finds me, and I am. But there is also an anxiety associated with how I got here. I'm going to try to explain. The blog, non-fiction books, novels adventure I find myself on is beyond anything I would ever have dared to dream when I pressed publish on my first blog post in 2013. Writing for me at that time was a hobby. I had an unrelated part-time job and a very angry baby. A whirlwind followed. My posts were shared far and wide. My social media pages exploded and a book deal landed in my inbox. I quit my job to give writing a proper go. It wouldn't last. I was sure of that, but I was going to make book hay while the um mum blog sun was shining and that's when things got weird non-fiction book one became book two and then book three they did well I had this burning desire to try my hand at fiction but for a long time couldn't even say that out loud who the hell did I think I was stay in your lane Sarah for god's sake but I did say it out loud I had the best team ever behind me who believed I could do it so we went for it I wrote a novel, and even though I thought many times that I'd bitten off more than I could chew, I kept chewing. The fourth draft was the one. It was published. And now I find myself writing the first draft of book number five, my second novel. And the imposter syndrome I feel is, in all honesty, crippling. I never share these thoughts because I fear doing so will prompt some very small violins. I am living the dream after all. But I rarely feel as though I deserve to be here. I read stuff every day about celebrity book deals and influencer book deals flooding the market. And with every piece I read, I feel a bit smaller. I feel guilty as though I've cheated the system. This isn't a praise fishing exercise. I am buoyed every day by my reviews and the lovely messages I receive, but I still feel it. The snobbery that exists, even if it's silent, the slight raise of the eyebrows when I talk at festivals about my journey to being published. When it hit the Sunday Times top 10, I was over the moon, but I don't think I truly believe I'd earned it. How could I? I celebrated with my whole heart, but later wondered if it was, in fact, a hollow victory. After all, my followers would buy it, even if it was total tripe. I don't really know what the point of this thread is. It's extremely out of character. But I guess I just wanted to say that some people you follow who are living the dream still worry about their ability to do that dream justice. Many work really fucking hard because they feel they have more to prove. They don't want to churn out any old tripe and call it a bestseller. They want to deserve it. 
okay so <laughs> I, was, I was really on one that evening I can tell yeah yeah well I, I mean I, I really remember reading that thread and following it through and finding it really interesting and and there's a lot to unpick but yeah tell, tell me about what led first of all to you sharing all of that had you been feeling that way for a while yeah I think so and I think there's a certain kind of um unease and anxiety that comes with book writing anyway um when you're you know the highs and lows of the, the roller coaster of you know the euphoria of handing a draft in but there's always a bit where you think you're never going to be able to hand it in because it's unpublishable um rubbish and uh, should never see the light of day so that probably played a part but there are always I I've had I've had a suspicion for for years and, and this goes back to the non-fiction books as well but that there is kind of a general feeling that influences I mean I'm generalizing but the influences don't deserve the book deals that they're given because you know they're given a book deal for one reason and one reason only and that's to to tick a quick commercial exercise of well they've got lots of followers they'll a book will book will come out it doesn't really matter how good it is their followers will buy it will ideally churn it out you know that mad October week just to to get the to get the Christmas market and uh, you know everyone's a everyone's a winner and that has has felt like something that for a while I thought perhaps I was imagining but I don't think it is because I've I've been to enough festivals and panel events and have seen enough threads that I'm not party to on Twitter to know that there is this feeling that you know there's a massive injustice that influences cheat cheat the system um Mm. and and it's really tricky the reason that it's so tricky is because I understand that I have felt for years as though I have cheated the system so Mm. I suppose I don't always disagree with um, the threads that I read about books popping up from you know another influencer or another TV personality or whoever it might be but I suppose it then prompts this defensiveness within me because on the one hand you have this massive leg up and this huge advantage because you have a platform and you have followers who really you know most of the time I mean not everybody that follows you really likes you but you have people that are interested at least in what you have to say so you do have a massive boost when it comes to book when it comes to book sales but at Mm. the same time there are people who will never read anything that you've written purely because of your route into publishing so there was a thread not so long ago on Twitter where a journalist had asked out of interest for purposes of research would you buy a book written by an influencer and I think there were 72 replies that were almost unanimously absolutely not. The replies were no, hell no, no, almost on principle, highly unlikely, uh. Um, it was, you know, that's kind of the that's kind of the response. And I suppose it's that sort of thing that for me makes me feel as though it doesn't matter how much effort I put in or how good something that I I write could be you know, there will be people that will, there'll be an eye roll and a, oh, but you just got given a book deal because you, you know, because you were popular on Facebook that time. Um, mm. so. I suppose, I suppose the thing is, though, is that, I mean, there are influences and influences, and you also happen to be a really good writer, which is why your posts took off. You you know, you didn't, as you say, said before, you didn't just post pictures of your kids wearing all whites. And you didn't, you know, post videos of your children crying and just kind of 
you know, share the despair of maternity leave either. You wrote things about it yes. that were really funny. So, I mean, we don't, you know, there, there are there are others, you know, like you, I guess. And we don't say, oh, it's so unfair that Clover Stroud has another book out. She's really good at social media. You know, we, we just sort of say, oh, well, she's good at social media and she writes memoirs yes. and, you know. Yeah. Um, you know, you could arguably say the same thing about, people like Richard Osman, you go, well, he's got a huge platform. Of course his books sell, but, but they also sell really well yeah. and people really love them. So I think there is a difference. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I of course, well. you know this, but it's, it, it must feel very strange. Yeah, I think it's that thing of, um, I don't know, maybe what comes first. So maybe sometimes it's important to consider how or why somebody became a blogger or I mean I we say influencer now but I I guess I started it was much more of an old school blog you know when I had the blog that was before I had an Instagram page and Facebook and what have you and and it was really the blog posts Mm. that had led to um you know so it was it was long form rather than as a a, um you know a little Instagram caption here and here and there that had led to that had led to a to a book deal so I do know that there's a difference and I also do I understand how publishing works and I can see and, and appreciate and understand the frustration when you do sometimes feel like, you know, any or any any book will be published if you can attach a celebrity or a, or a influencer's um, name to it. So it's not as though I'm I don't understand why there might be a frustration or at least people are hesitant. to. But I think that kind of blanket snobbery of, well, you know, blogger turned blogger turned author I mean I felt it not not often but I've I've done the odd kind of book festival and generally the book festivals themselves are really super lovely and as is as are you know everybody in publishing but where I've done events with other authors you can you can see the immediate moment when you have a conversation with somebody and they say you know how did you get into writing or what have you and you say oh I had a blog and it, it took off and um and there's a there's that moment where you feel like you you're almost at that point excluded from the conversation with the other panelists because you didn't because you didn't go the you didn't go in the proper route you didn't um you didn't graft to get there in the way that in the way that they did and having gone from thinking maybe I've imagined that I've I've kind of gone back over conversations and things I've had over the years and I'm like no it was it was it was almost certainly there that kind of I can remember somebody saying something along the lines of you know you're so you're so lucky to have been handed a book deal dream on a plate without having to kind of knock on any doors and etc etc and and I think I can appreciate that there is a great amount of fortune at play there that the right people saw my blog posts at the right time so yes you know luck does always play a part but I don't think I was handed them for no reason I think I was handed a book deal because they thought that it would make a good book because they liked my writing which is um I guess the most in the most important thing so yeah it's a really it's a really really tricky tricky one mm. to try and explain but you wrote but I rarely feel as though I deserve to be here it, who do you think does deserve to be here <laughs> I don't know and I also think that in any walk of life you know imposter syndrome is is um is rife and I'm sure that I'm sure that somebody who had gone the the traditional route and and had 
suffered kind of multiple rejections and um, I had really kind of been banging on banging on doors for years would still feel as, at times as though they don't deserve to be here I mean I follow I, oh, I follow or engage with so many authors online that could be writing their 15th book and they'll they'll reach a point where they go well I can't do this I'm clearly rubbish at this it's not the job for me despite the fact mm. that they've written 14 14 previous bestsellers so I know it's um it's human you know it's human sort of nature as well um but I think there's just the odd thing that sometimes I see or hear that I think it's a really hard um it's that it's that kind of well you, you know you, you didn't really um you've only got a book deal because you've got all of these followers and I do there's a there's part of me that knows that the original book deal um came because you know at least in part because I generated such a strong following so I don't always disagree with the rationale behind it but that blanket no I would never consider writing a book that was written by an influencer I just find it a little bit insulting I guess yeah I mean it's silly to cut out any large group of of writers really isn't it I mean how yeah. do you know what they're going to be like until you've read them <laughs> everyone yeah different. exactly yeah so you had these fears and other forms of self-doubt when you were writing book two, which is why you wrote the thread. And did you also have them when you were writing book one? Sorry, I say book one and book two. I, of course, actually mean book four and book five. But in terms yeah, of fiction, I know what you mean. book one yeah. and two. Yeah, um, I did, I think. And how did you deal with them when you were when you were drafting? I think I'm really lucky to have such a nice, supportive network around me so you know the, the editing team and my agent and also my family that kind of will will give me that nudge to say you know no you know you you, you just you deserve you deserve to be here which is why you are here keep going and usually that's usually that's that's all I need and I think that's why that that Twitter thread was so out of character because I don't I rarely, I would rarely, even if I have those feelings, I would rarely kind of vocalise them, especially not online. Because again, I then think people will think, oh, you know, what's she, what's she moaning about now? Um, <laughs> she's got, you know, she's living the dream and she's still finding something to, um, something to, to, to but yeah, to, to moan about. But I think, I don't know, I find that I can switch. I think it's probably like anyone. I can switch from being like, I'm, really concentrating and I've got my head in the game and actually for me a big boost came I think when stepping up when it went out for kind of early review and I started to get all the net galley reviews in and they were really good I mean they're never all good are they but they were you know overwhelmingly really good reviews and they were from people that said you know I've never read anything by this author before not a parent or what have you but really enjoyed this and and I I started to relax a bit I think I started to think maybe it's maybe it's maybe maybe it's going to be all right but yeah even some of the Amazon reviews are interesting I, I was gonna I should have um I should have printed one off to, to so that I could read it out to you but there was one that said something along the lines of I assumed this was just going to be another influencer given a book deal because it would sell copies um regardless of how good they are uh however I really enjoyed it um I thought it was touching and moving and um, but I just sort of thought that's the start. That's the starting point for that person is that they've picked it up. I think I think they picked it up in the supermarket. It was on special, and their baseline 
like expectation was it would probably be rubbish because there's somebody that's got followers but um I'll give it a go anyway and I was really pleasantly surprised it was a good yes the Um, ultimate balm to your your fears you do um you do that you know those sort of comments I was expecting x but are are kind of peppered within the Amazon reviews which is really interesting but yeah I, I suppose that's what keeps me going I do have a faith and belief in in my ability as a writer I think even though at, at times <laughs> even though at times it, I find it hard or there are things that I see or hear that make me doubt myself but I think overwhelmingly I wouldn't be if I didn't think that I could do it or that I did deserve to be here then day to day I don't mm. think I would put myself through it I think I would just go back to a norm a normal in inverted commas job um which I would be happy to do if you know, if the if the writing train ever ever stops for me, but fingers crossed it doesn't. I don't think you need to do that just yet. <laughs> We're <laughs> um, all right for now. You're all right for now. Um, before you started chatting with your team about having a go at some fiction, had you been doing any fiction? Had you been sort of doing any creative writing at home? Had you been sort of giving that a go already? Or yeah, so I had sent them the first kind of first maybe 30,000 words of a novel that I'd started that was in all honesty the fiction version of my non-fiction. It was basically the unmumsy mum but novel novel form okay. yeah. um, slightly slightly struggling mum at the school gates and I realised I enjoyed writing it um I enjoyed the like the, the ability to kind of play with comedy in that way and I had sent it to Transworld between I think books two and th- non-fiction books two and three and they had gone we really like this we think this is great um happy for you for you to pursue this but it actually wasn't the it wasn't the novel that I wanted to that I wanted to write I didn't want to write the same exactly the same thing I felt like I wanted something that had a little bit more heart and a little bit more like the books that I like to read so I sort of said I'm glad that you you liked it but I don't think this is going to be the one for me and this is the non-fiction book three idea I've had and I'd be happier if we could just do that and then I will put more thought to what I want my first novel to be rather than just writing I knew I knew I could write that book but it wasn't the book that I wanted to write in all honesty the stuff my kids do in real life is funnier than the um than the the not the fiction version of my non-fiction that I'd had a bash at but I guess they had seen hopefully enough at that point to think she 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 can do it it's you know different style but yeah I think that that's so funny I mean you're yes your your posts about your children are very funny little wolf little wolf <laughs> oh well <laughs> oh well but that that's so interesting and I suppose if you had brought out a novel like that that fear you had about people assuming that you were just sort of converting you know that part of your life into fiction would have would have you know been compounded because even if the book had been really good, it would have felt like much more of a follow on from your from your social media, I guess. Yeah, Whereas exactly. stepping up is really quite different. Yes. Um, yeah. And I do get people, despite the kind of despite the kind of splash, you know, the splashes on the front or the cover or what have you. I have, I have had people message me who have read Stepping Up, who haven't who picked it up in the bookshop or haven't, haven't put two and two together they haven't properly looked at it they've just sort of picked it up and read it and then gone it's taken me until I've read the author bio to realize that 
I've read your nonfiction books, which is quite nice. So it's like, <laughs> it does feel like the next step, the fiction adventure that is different. But like you say, with still the same um, tone and familiarity to people that have enjoyed my nonfiction, hopefully. So I don't, I'm really proud of those nonfiction books. So it's not that I wanted to um, draw a line under them and never and never speak of them again like the unmumsy mum adventure is still kind of ongoing with those books and it's nice to see them pop up in in different countries and, and different translations and things but yes the stepping up I felt like I wanted it to be different enough so that it was um, a bit of a statement in terms of this is the new this is the next chapter yeah no I hope you never stop the unmumsy mum stuff I'm, I want to see some like uh, the ungranny granny or something <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean that that feeling of being an imposter in your own life I think is unlikely ever to go away uh, whichever no, stage exactly. you're at not, yeah, not exactly. you personally Sarah but all yeah. of us you feel that way yeah you're right I and mean, let's be honest you feel like that as a parent as well you know um, the number of times I've taken one of my one of my three kids to a a birthday party or a toddler group or something and just had that really weird out-of-body experience when I think how am I how am I qualified or trusted to be responsible in this situation it's nothing short of preposterous that somebody's given me a license to have these children and look after them so I suppose it's just a you know book writing is is, is, is yeah it's no it's no different you always it can be the thing that you want to do most in the world and you can still feel as though you need to prove you're worthy of of continuing to do it I think that's just I don't think that'll ever leave me and maybe maybe it's for the best that it doesn't you know if I was sat here going well I really deserve my place (laughs) I think I think I'm brilliant um then yes you know that would be perhaps problematic as well so there's a balance so when you wrote stepping up I mean you mentioned in the thread that draft four was the one how did you feel I mean, not moment to moment, but, you know, in, when you were sort of in the thick of things in the writing, was yeah. that tough? Did you find it hard moving from draft to draft? Because you knew that your editors were you know, keen, which is obviously a massive advantage. But yeah. nonetheless, you still have to draft and redraft. And that's presumably quite different from nonfiction in which yeah. you also draft, but in a different way. So tell me a little bit about that. How did that feel for you at the time? It is, it is, it is an entirely different ballgame fiction. And that's not to say that there's not to say that nonfiction is easy, but the process is very, is, it's it's easier to kind of compartmentalise your book writing around other things in your life when you're writing nonfiction, in that I could write a chapter and and the blog posts themselves sort of lent themselves to chapters. And I could write a chapter, for example, for the Unmums and Mum A to Z, you know, I would be shopping in Ikea and I would suddenly think, oh, I is for Ikea. Um, that would be that would be good. Or we ended up in A&E with a head injury for one of the kids. And I thought, oh, A is for A&E. And you can almost jot down a phone note, start writing it, add it to the pile. And uh, like a like a giant game of Jenga, if I handed in, you know, a, a, a draft of nonfiction and one of the chapters wasn't working, you could remove a chapter and the whole the whole tower wouldn't fall down. Fiction, it's not quite like that because there's so many strands, you know, to a novel that are, that are interwoven and so many considerations that I found it much more consuming for my thought process. So it wasn't something I could just log on for a couple of hours in the evening. It was, if I was in it, I was in it and I was struggling to think about anything else so yeah the the drafting the drafts of the novel were intense it was a very steep learning curve 
my, my editor insists that my first draft wasn't terrible. But I'm telling you now, it was terrible. It was, <laughs> it was really bad. And they, I love their diplomatic. I love editors so much, so, so much. The dip, like how diplomatic they are with the language that they use around what needs doing. So for example, my editor, I love, I, say, I love her too much, will say things like, just don't feel like uh, this chapter earns its place in the narrative <laughs> or yeah. she'll say I'm not sure that this character is working as hard as he can be for you or um and it's just brilliant it's great it's, it's poetry in itself the editorial um feedback letters. yes there's um, a lot of distance there oh, that, ca that character's not doing their job it's nothing to do with you they're just uh they're not exactly. pulling their weight <laughs> yeah exactly it does you do it's it's, it's it's yeah it's passive it's like um yeah that that, that no that pesky character um, so there were a few moments where I did feel very out of my depth and I did think I've, I've taken, this is, I thought to myself of all the things I've taken on and managed to do, I've always had that thing of you're only, you know, deal with one hour at a time, whatever life throws at you, you'll probably be, a lesson will be learned here. You'll be able to make it. And one day you'll look back on this and laugh. It's kind of served me well thus far, but I did have moments with the, yeah, writing first draft especially with stepping up where I thought you've you you this is the one that's going to defeat you you can't what like what are you doing why do you think that you can just write a novel now and then I would have moments where I would think this is awful this is the worst thing that's ever been written but I would come back to it step away come back to it read a little bit of dialogue that I'd written between two characters and do that really cringy thing where I would make myself laugh where they would there would be like a little bit of dialogue and I would I would think to myself, oh, it's quite funny this. I mean, the, the other 90,000 words is terrible, but there's a glimmer, <laughs> there's a glimmer here of something. And just know that every author that I've ever spoken to has said, there's a reason why only like your editor sees the first draft. Yes. <laughs> you know, so just keep going. Um, but yeah, I loved it. I, I actually, I love, I love the feedback because even if the feedback is there's a lot to do, I just know that every every bullet point will make my work better. So it's like mm. it feels like such it still feels like such a privilege to be edited. Um, mm. And I do really I do really enjoy it. I find the first draft stage the bit where I have to really dig deep <laughs> to get it over the line, and then I can relax because I think whatever happens next is only going to get better. <laughs> so do you actually when you say first draft that you send to your editor? I mean, is that literally the, the first draft or do you have an earlier sort of messier kind of you know jumble of words that nobody sees um no uh, no it is really it is pretty much that first that first draft and it's still quite patchy everything the bare bones of it is are there but um it's kind of without any of the sparkle I think that I didn't realize tends to come <laughs> to come later yeah. I mean it might not for everyone and there are little bits where I'm really that I'm happy with from the first draft but there are also quite a few kind of to be confirmed bits not whole chunks but there are a couple of bits where I wasn't sure whether to go with you know x route or y route in terms of what happens with the a plot strand at that point so I actually have actually just left it and put tbc um because I think I you know get to a point where you feel as though you need some feedback so I've, I've just handed in first draft of novel two and nobody's nobody's seen or read any of it and I've reached the point where I need 
I need somebody on my team to kind of say this is working or this isn't working or so I'm, I feel like I'm ready to be a sponge for, mm. for feedback. I don't think I could show my, my actual first draft to anyone, honestly, because mine are so messy that they have things like, I mean, really quite often things like, you know, like in parentheses, make interesting here or like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah you know, or like I remember with my book that didn't sell I remember going through the first draft and then messaging my my uh, my writer friend saying I've written a lot about something called phone mail which I don't even know what it is as a, you know some, somewhere between phone calls and emails like I yeah. don't even or voicemail I mean I don't know, don't know. Um, but, but apparently that had come up a lot in the book and I didn't even know what it was um so the thought of somebody reading that which is very very yeah, there is, I just I'm yeah I couldn't there are there is a point during the writing process where so I tend to use um Scrivener to write the first draft rather than words so that I can kind of portion out the chapters and add a little note about the characters and stuff on the side and there are before it gets to the point where I hand it in I am I do kind of self edit it and I was yeah. just about to send it over and there, are, there are a couple where I've simply written in the notes in bold and capitals what is the point of this chapter Sarah <laughs> <laughs> and I, I was probably because in my head I've learned from last time and I've got my editor in my head and, and I'm thinking it's not earning its place it needs yes. to earn its place yes. um, so yeah and or like you've said about you know th- this but make interesting um, I've got a couple where I've just put this needs to be funnier or um make make this person more interesting or yeah so but 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 that will never that's kind of as I go and then when I get to the when I've when I've really kind of gone right got to the end um I tidy that tidy that up and send it over and hope hope for the best yeah (laughs) well good luck I hope you get some good feedback soon (laughs) I know you've mentioned your mum a few times in your writing um who for for people who um, haven't followed you for a long time like died when you were a teenager yeah um, and of course stepping up is about families being disrupted by grief yeah so I'm presuming that played on your mind a wee bit when you came up with that concept I wonder I wonder what you think your mum would say now if you could tell her both about all your success and also about you know this this self-doubt that you retain yeah I think I think my mum would be I mean I hope she would be proud of the the kind of book writing adventure that I've been on I think I thought of her a lot when I was writing Stepping Up and actually I had you know I've mentioned my mum in my non-fiction work before so it wasn't it wasn't a new thing I've, I've written about her but I suppose Stepping Up was more you know, grief was at the forefront of my mind when I was writing it. And there's a, there's a teenage character, Polly, in the book who's a similar age to I was when when my mum died. So I guess it kind of it took me it took me back to, to teenage grief and what it's like to be a teenager and lose someone, which as I was having a conversation with somebody the other day who messaged me to say that her that husband had died and they had a teenager and she was talking about stepping up in that context and saying that the surprising thing about teenagers is how they can be consumed completely consumed by grief but at the same time really concerned about what what they're going to wear to a party on Saturday Mm. night because they're a teenager and I really relate to that which is how I think I felt confident writing Polly but yeah I think my mum was quite matter of fact and and quite no nonsense when it came to advice at least in my teenage years so 
I can sort of imagine that saying, me going off on one and writing one of these dramatic Twitter threads. And I can almost imagine my mum being like, oh, don't be so self-indulgent. <laughs> um, just, you know, give yourself a, a slap around the face with a wet fish and, and, and get on with it, I think. I don't think she would have. I don't know. I feel like it's hard to know because I haven't had a relationship, you know, I haven't had a relationship with her as a as an adult so I don't know but I can from memory you know I don't think she'd have had much time for me maudling about anything I feel like she would have been like just 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 crack just crack on with it for god's sake and um so that does you know that does play on my mind as well and also it's really interesting like that you say that you found that thread interesting on Twitter and I had a few people that messaged as well and or who have referenced it like it's kind of stuck in their mind as being well that's what you really think about um about like life as a author slash influencer and it's really interesting because it's one of the only things I've ever posted online I've almost had like an overexposure hangover for posting afterwards if that makes sense where you sort of I woke up the next day and thought I've overshared and I you know overshare for a living but it was like I've overshared that it's almost like it's too I've, I've put too much out there that's, that's like the bit of your brain that you don't share the secret you know I'm wondering if I deserve to be here and there was a really there was a really big part of me that was quite tempted just to delete it and pretend that I'd never spoken it out loud <laughs> but I'm glad you know I'm glad I'm glad I didn't but um yeah it's I'm glad you didn't because I'm an mean- interesting one Self-indulgence about self-doubt is literally the point (laughs) of this podcast. So I'm very glad that you didn't. Thank you so much for listening to Write Off. Do come find me to chat on Twitter where I'm at Francesca Steele and Instagram where I'm at Francesca. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Steel writes. I'll put that in the show notes. If you enjoyed Write-Off, please do share it with others. And please, please, please consider leaving a review on the iTunes app, which really helps other people find the podcast. Thanks, and see you next time. Thanks.